What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett, and it is my privilege to say, what's happening? Hope you're doing really well. I'm recording this on a Sunday night. Today, we just had our third service back to being in person, which is really cool. It feels awesome to be in the same room with people. And uh, I just want to say, if you are someone who still feels uncomfortable about meeting in a room with others. We totally get it. That's why we are still live streaming and doing the podcast. So please keep checking in there. But if you feel like you're ready to, uh, you know, meet in a safe way, we're requiring masks at all times. We're staying six feet apart at all times. And if that's something you feel like you can handle, come on out. We'd love to have you. It's been really cool for me to be back to meeting in person because (laughs) we have a nursery (laughs) and I can drop my three-year-old off there and actually like set aside an hour to check in with faith and my faith family and to learn. And that is just something that does not happen whenever I'm trying to do church online. Church online is really awesome. And maybe you've been able to find a way to carve out space for it. And I really tried and continue to try but we just, there's no way Owen's going to leave us alone for, you know, 30 minutes to watch church. If you have a three-year-old, you know what's up. <laughs> so maybe you're like me and finding space for your faith during the week has been hard during the Corona times. And if you are, uh, that's why we're meeting. So come on out. It's a very good way to be intentional and just check in and, uh, you know, set aside time to take care of what matters most. Okay, I, uh, I don't think we have a whole lot of announcements today. We would love to hear from you. Go to diff.church on your phone if you're not listening. Actually, I guess you can listen and still go. So go to diff.church. Uh, we'd love for you to be a part of our mailing list, especially if you consider uh, coming out to one of our services. Things could change, you know, very quickly uh, in these uncertain times. <laughs> and the best way to stay update on what's happening is to be on our mailing list. Social media is great. You can follow us there and we'll certainly keep you posted there as well. But if we ever had to cancel service for any reason, be on our mailing list, that's like the best places to do it. Also from there, you can give us some feedback. Let us know what we're doing good, what we need to do more of, less of. And uh, we would love it if you would consider donating. If you believe in what different church is doing, uh, the best thing you can do is uh, do a monthly donation for us as a young church. Uh, Just trying to figure out what our uh, budget is going to be is always crazy. (laughs) And so anything that you can give would be incredible. Um, I think that's it. I don't have anything else really specific to say. I'm going to do something a little different for this podcast. Uh, I'm going to leave a song in. Last week, this week, and next week, we've been purposely introducing songs that are like important to the band members. I thought that it would be kind of a cool way to just connect what's going on stage to the people in the audience. So last week, Kiana played uh, an original, which was incredible. And I can't remember if I shared it yet. I I did the mix down and I have the video ready to go. So if I haven't shared it already, forgive me. I will share it this week. Uh, And then this morning, we played a song that Dave picked out from a cartoon called Steven Universe, which sounds like a really cool show. And it was a duet um, between Guiana and Heather. And I really loved how it turned out. It's super weird. I can't imagine there's a whole lot of songs or a whole lot of churches 
playing this song, but that's okay. It's, it's perfect for us. Dave, thank you for sharing it. Uh, so we're going to hear that song before Hannah comes on. If you don't care at all and you just want to skip to Hannah, just skip forward about three and a half minutes from right now, and you'll have some Hannah in your ear. But if you want to hear a song, here is Here Comes a Thought. Take a moment to think of just flexibility. Now I feel like I have a kid's show to go home and watch. <laughs> Josiah's not in here yet. He doesn't know that's what we're doing for the rest of the day. <laughs> He's going to mysteriously disappear to the garage <laughs> and do cool work instead of watching a kid's show. Hey, y'all. What's up? Happy Sunday. This is like the last Sunday of July. So everyone's exactly where we thought we wanted to be this year. 
and everything's going great, right? <laughs> you can lie, it's okay. Of course, you all should know, but I'm gonna remind you anyways, you should go to diff.church and fill out a connection card. If you are not on our email list, you need to be on our email list because if we have to move online or if something changes, that is the way we're gonna tell you. And you know, you might miss an Instagram post. If you're not liking all of our posts, Instagram may think that you don't like all of our posts and it won't show it to you and then you'll come and we won't be here and hopefully that won't happen. But you need to be on our email list. You can also sign up to volunteer there. We have a couple of awesome teams. We, <laughs> we obviously aren't doing a ton of setup and teardown, et cetera, but you can still wave at people. You can hold babies, which personally is my favorite thing. Like if I was not up here, I would be holding babies. Babies are way cooler than regular humans, in my opinion. Um, now, our passage today, we are gonna talk about the Bible. I know we skipped a week last week, so we have to get back to it. Is from Matthew, chapter 13. We're gonna read two sections, which is a parable, and then Jesus's explanation of the parable. So we're going to start in, verse, in chapter 13, verse 1. And you can follow along on the screen. And we'll read together. Verse 1. Later that same day, you can just listen to me, how about that? <laughs> Later that same day, you can just take my word that this is in the Bible. <laughs> Your homework will be, did I actually read you the Bible or did I make something up? Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake, and a large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Jesus is like, y'all are too close to me, you need to social distance a little bit. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Now, quick pause. A parable is like a short story, usually told to illustrate some moral or spiritual or theological point, kind of like a fairy tale, used to illustrate some moral Point. Parables were not literal, so I don't want you to think that Jesus is like, in the year A.D. 3, there was a farmer and he did this. This is literal, factual truth. Jesus is just telling a story. And I love what verse 3 says. It says he told many stories, such as this one. So it's cool that we have this one, but I want to know about all the other stories that didn't get written down. Like, what if Jesus told a parable and everyone was like, that was a terrible story? We're, that's definitely not making it into the Bible. Jesus, you need to work on your storytelling. So this is one of the ones that made it in. So it continues, and Jesus says, listen, which, you know, I feel like that's a kind of a strong way to start a story. Listen, not once upon a time, or there was once a person, or a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. No, listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them on his field, some seeds fell on the road, and birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, and those seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But they soon wilted in the hot sun, and they didn't have deep roots, and they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on the fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, before we get to spiritualizing this and get to Jesus' explanation and thinking about salvation and good soil and what this means, we should just stop here for a moment and talk about this. The first thing I noticed about this passage is the farmer went out to plant some seeds. 
and he was tossing seeds everywhere. Like, it doesn't seem like it was a very good farmer to me. Like, seeds are generally a hot commodity, I would assume. I'm not a farmer, but, you know, they cost money to buy, uh, or you, like, painstakingly harvested them from last year's crops, and kept them and dried them out, and now you're planting them. And this farmer is, like, blind, apparently. Like, he can't tell that he's throwing seeds in a road. He can't tell that he's throwing them in thorn bushes or on rocks. Seems like he's just wasting seeds. Like, if he paid attention even a little bit, he would have the biggest, the best harvest of all time. The seeds that fell on the good ground, he says, at the very worst, you get 30 times what he planted. At the best, you get 100 times what he planted. That would be like if you planted one corn kernel in your backyard, and then you went out a couple weeks later, and then you had 30 corn plants in your backyard. How does that even happen? Now, if you've watched horror movies, you know you should not plant corn in your backyard, because that's where people go to die. <laughs> and I watched part of Children of the Corn when I was a teenager, and it scarred me for life. I was like, oh, so corn is obviously a bad thing, and that's where all horror movies in the country start. And I will not be planting corn. In fact, I will not be planting anything. I'm a terrible, I have a black thumb. Like, if you give me something with a root attached, that's not very nice of you, because all you're giving me is anxiety. <laughs> about when I'm going to kill this plant. My mom gave me an avocado tree that she sprouted once from a seed. So I kept it alive for two years, even through a hurricane, and then it died. But for two years, I had an alarm on my phone to water it, and every day, that thing gave me anxiety. I was like, it's gonna die. When is it gonna die? I don't know when it's gonna die, but at some point, it's gonna die, and she'll be sad, and we'll ne we're never having avocados. I don't even know why I'm watering this stupid plant. So now we've established that I, a person who have never farmed in my life, say that this guy is a bad farmer. <laughs> you should believe me. Um, and we've, of course, called God's sanity into question, right? Because in this metaphor, it seems like the farmer is God. God doesn't seem very smart. Just tossing seeds everywhere willy-nilly. Then Jesus is like, okay, let me explain it to you in case you don't understand my story. You don't understand the moral implications. Let me tell you. So then we're going to pick up in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 13. This is Jesus talking. Now, listen. Seems like he starts all of his things the same way. Listen and now listen <laughs> to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. Like, my question is, was this a long time that passed in between him telling the story and the explanation? Did he tell all the stories? Because this one got written down, and the first time he was like, here's the, f like, his disciples seem to need to be reminded about which story he's explaining. The seed that fell on the road represents those who hear the message about the kingdom, and they don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and they immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last very long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the, me the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. But the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand. And they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. 
One of the things that I notice about this passage is Jesus is explaining what this parable means. So he explains the soil, he explains the seeds, he explains what happens to the seeds, but he doesn't say anything about the farmer. Now, I was born in church. If you were born in church, perhaps you have heard more than one sermon on this parable. And generally the theme revolves around how we are the people and what type of soil are we and what are we doing we don't want to be like the road people or the rocky people. And this is what we always talk about. Sermons always are like, now, we have these road people. They just don't understand what faith means and they immediately forget about it. Are you a road person? You should feel convicted. <laughs> we have rocky people, another bad type of people, in case you were confused. They're very excited at first, but you know life is hard, so they forget about it eventually. Don't be like a rocky person. We have the thorny people. They get the message, but it's just a message in a long list of messages that they're getting all the time, so they forget about it, because there's too much information. Don't be like a thorny person. You should be convicted. We have an altar call at the end of this. And finally, we have, you know, the good soil people, the one that we're all like, of course we're those people. Well, you just said everything bad about all these other types of people. I'm definitely not going to say I'm one of those. So we have the good soil people. They have hospitable conditions in their hearts, their minds. So they actually don't forget about it, but they make faith a priority in their lives. And then their lives change so much that actually other people notice, which is all well and good. Great many object lessons that can be told about all of these types of people. We can learn lots of moral and spiritual lessons and go home feeling much better about ourselves. But I actually want us to think about the moral and spiritual lesson in the passage that's not focused on, which is the farmer. Now, we've already established beyond a shadow of a doubt that the farmer is God and that God is kind of dumb in this passage. He's just throwing seeds everywhere. Like God doesn't seem to care at all where they land. And we know that God is not very smart because even me, a person who kills every plant, knows that this is not how seeds work, right? If you throw seeds in a road, they're not going to grow. <laughs> like It's not like they might grow. Even if they did grow, they're gonna get smushed by vehicles. They're not gonna last. So why would God put up with such a waste of resources? Why would God actively participate in something that's such a waste of time? Like, is God bored? God's been around for so long that he's like, I'm just throw some seeds here, see what happens. But that's the kicker, isn't it? We have such a hard time disentangling our understanding of what God is from the culture that we are in. And what is our culture's value? In America, specifically in the Western world, one of the things we value very much is capitalism. So we prioritize things like production, results, guaranteed formulas, risk assessment. Our, our culture is constantly reminding us of and threatening us with scarcity. So this is the lie we get trapped in constantly. And I hear it in almost every single serious conversation I have with someone. Every time someone's like, hey, can I share something with you? This is underneath of it. There will not be enough of whatever it is that they're worried about, whatever it is that I'm worried about. There won't be enough of whatever it is I'm looking for. There won't be enough food. 
at a basic level, there won't be enough money, there won't be enough time, there's never enough time. You won't be enough, your work won't be enough, no matter how hard you're trying, your love and affection won't be enough, no matter how much that person actually means to you, your, even when you actually have enough of something, like for example, let's say you have enough money to pay your bills and put a little bit in savings for the future and have a little bit to give back to your community, but still not enough, you have to get more. And if you're not working for more and you're like, this is enough, well then you're just settling, you're wasting your life, you're not living up to your potential, you're wasting your God-given talents. And of course, if you are working for more, no matter where you started, for opportunities your kids didn't have, for financial stability, for a job that may be a little more fulfilling, and it's not happening right away, well, you know, we all know the answer to why that is is because you're just not working hard enough. And I'm not in any way trying to be negative about hard work or anything like that. I think a theology of work is something we desperately need. But this is the lie that our culture has put into our minds and into our spirits from like the time that we're born. There's not enough to go around. There's just not. And it doesn't matter what you think there is, it's not enough. You need more. So we're always afraid of not having enough, of not doing enough, of not being enough. And scarcity is what rules our decisions, generally, not abundance. So when we approach this passage and we think about the farmer and we think about God, we come to it from a place of scarcity. What a stupid farmer. How dumb God is to waste all of those seeds in places where they obviously are not going to grow and produce any results. Because even if we say we don't, generally we all believe deep down that there is actually a limit on the amount of life that God can hand out. There's only a finite number of seeds after all. So God's being wasteful. There's only a finite number of chances that God will give us before God's just like, never mind. <laughs> give up on those people. They're clearly not listening to me. There's only a finite amount of grace or hope or peace or love. And sometimes we think, we have this tendency to think that maybe God scattered a seed or two towards us a while ago, and we got distracted because life is hard, and it didn't grow into anything, and we blew it. But now it's too late. Why would God give me more seeds? Because last time I was a rocky person, and they just, nothing happened with that seed. I produced no results. I had no production value, so God's seed was a waste, so why would God take another chance and give me more? If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, this is what I want you to leave with. There is no limit on the amount of life God is able to give out. There is no limit on the amount of life God is able to give out. If God is infinite, then the life that God is offering 
like these little seeds in this story, are infinite as well. There's no such thing as scarcity when it comes to God. Just because we've taken our culture and been like, I'm a bad investment. And this is what I hear from people too, and it breaks my heart when someone's like, God could never forgive me. I don't know why God would bother with me. Or, put more benignly, thank God, I don't know why he saved me, but you know he did, so we're grateful for that. Like, we always, at, the, at our underlying core, are like, this was bad investment, God. Have you met me? God's like, yes, literally, I have met you. <laughs> I, was, I met you before you were you. It's like a whole thing. I was literally here before the world began. And, and you're like, but God, have you met me? Were you there a week ago when I did that really dumb thing? We're always arguing with God. Now, just because the last time God tossed a seed your way, it created nothing, or you ignored it, does not mean that God is done with you. You're not out of chances. God doesn't ever give up on anyone. And I don't know who needs to hear this. Somebody does. I feel strongly. God has not given up on you. God will never give up on you. God will always and forever be planting seeds of life in your life. Our God is one of, like, miraculous abundance. What is that old song that I grew up with? It's like, he owns cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. I don't know the rest. But even that, like, that's us applying our culture to God. We're like, if God owns, okay, so if God owns cattle, then there's enough cattle for me to have cattle, but maybe not for everyone else to have cattle. But... We always get into this cycle. And the point is, God doesn't own the cattle on a thousand hills. God is in the hills. God is everywhere, in all, through all, in us, through us. There is no point where God is going to run out of patience for us. There is no point where God's going to be like, I'm just not going to throw seeds your way anymore because you're not worth it. God will never say that. You're always worth it. Of course, the endless abundance of God does not take away our responsibility, right? Notice that the farmer is not throwing full-grown plants. He is throwing seeds. God's not throwing, like, full-grown orange trees at you. All I know about this avocado tree that I killed is that even if I had kept it alive, it would have not produced any fruit for years, like seven years probably. And that's if it was, if I did a good job (laughs) at keeping it alive. What God gives you is a seed. They have to grow. That's just common sense, right? This is one of the mistakes we make when we like start a faith journey or become people of faith. We're like, yes, faith is a priority in my lives. And then immediately we are just blown away by the fact that everything in our lives is not magically fixed. Well, we got a new life. We got some new life from God in our hearts. Like, why isn't my whole life new? What you got was a seed. For a seed to grow, it needs your participation. Are you cultivating it? Are you supporting it? Are you nurturing it? Are you creating the conditions it needs to survive? Are you protecting it from the sun when it's a billion degrees outside and all the leaves are turning yellow and sad because you haven't watered it in a week? 
Are you picking off the beetles when they're munching holes in your leaves? Are you paying attention to what's going on? That's it, I'm out of. I'm out of metaphors about how plants die, <laughs> but you get the point. You have to tend to the seeds if you want them to grow big enough and strong enough to actually produce a fruit. God does not work in isolation from us. God works with us. God will give you the, the seed and the tools to care for the seed, but we are the ones who have to put in some work to help it grow. And so oftentimes I hear like, how do you put in the work? What do you do if you wanna be a good Christian? There's two things, anyone know what they are? Two things you have to do if you wanna be a good Christian and grow in your relationship with God. You have to read your Bible and pray. Those are the two, right? They will magically transform your whole life and nothing will ever go wrong again. And I'm all for reading the Bible, actually. I love the Bible, I think the Bible's great, as long as it doesn't add to like your theological trauma. I'm all for reading the Bible, and praying, and doing devotions, and meeting in a community with people of faith, but those are not the only ways you can go about cultivating the seed of faith in your life. So I have some other ways, just a few, that I'm gonna give you. And then I'll close so the band can come and play lovely music behind me. It will sound, you know, like I'm telling you something deep and important. So these are the ways, some ways, you can add to this list. How do you cultivate a space in your life where change and growth can happen? Other than reading your Bible and praying. How about you bite your tongue when you're about to say something nasty? To anyone, your kids, your spouse, your coworkers. How about you, instead of getting into a pointless argument that you will not win with a person who's just there to suck the life out of you, you refuse to get into that argument. This is how faith grows in your life, wisdom. When do I shut my mouth? It's always a big one. Another one is maybe noticing that you sniped at someone. Someone you love, perhaps, your partner, your kids, your coworkers, family, your friends. And then having the resolve to actually go to that person and say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That's not how I actually feel about you. I'm sorry. Another way you can cultivate a space of healing and growth in your life is go to therapy. Process your grief and your trauma. Take medications that you have been prescribed to balance your, chem your chemicals in your brain and your hormones. Take the medications that you need for your body to function properly so that a space of focus and healing can actually be created and you're not wasting all of your energy circling around. This is a hard one. This is way harder than reading your Bible. Choosing to do the hard thing that you don't want to do and have the hard conversation with someone instead of burying how you feel and sweeping it under the rug and pretending like everything is fine. How about 
take the time out of your life to learn about other peoples, peoples who have been oppressed or repressed or denied basic human rights so that we can be more sensitive to other people's needs. How about allow yourself a space to doubt and question your faith so that God can come alongside you as you move forward. That's just a few. Anything you do that promotes peace, promotes wholeness, promotes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. <laughs> Anything you can do to give those space in your life, that is how you cultivate the seed. And usually they're not as easy as being like, I prayed today, check the box. I had in seminary a professor who was like, we as a class, your assignment is going to be to fast. And everyone, some people were like, yes, I love fasting. And other people like me who love food were like, that sounds terrible. I don't want to fast. And he's like, but don't worry, it won't be food that you're fasting from. And I was like, well, what, social media? That's the other popular one, right? The internet, I gave up my phone for Lent. No, he was like, we are gonna fast from being critical of other people. That's literally the hardest. It was like three days. And he's like, put like a bracelet or a rubber band or something on your wrist and every time you're critical of someone, you have to move it to your other wrist and start the clock over. Nobody made it more than a couple hours. <laughs> because that's the hard work that we have to do so that we can actually transform our lives, so that this little seed that God gives us can actually grow into something. And we don't have to do this on the strength of our own will. We don't have to be like, I just want it to grow, so it's gonna grow. You may have to set a timer on your phone to water it. You may have to set a timer in your mind to take a step back, like that song said, it's just a thought. Let me calm down a little bit before I take all this out on someone who doesn't deserve it from me. And these are just as transformative as reading your Bible and praying. So Jesus is telling this story and he's talking to a crowd of people. There's, he had, there's so many people he had to like get in a boat and back away from them a little so that he could talk to them all. And then they're all just left with this story the people didn't even get the explanation of the story. Only the disciples got the explanation later. They only got the first part about the farmer throwing seeds. And so they're left, just like we're left, with the question, what do we do? And how do we live differently? After you encounter God, after you encounter holy wisdom. And the God who offers us comfort and strength and hope and guidance, God makes all of these things available to us. But if we are to benefit from the fruit, then we have to be brave enough and humble enough to participate, to first of all believe that God has not given up on us yet. In fact, I shouldn't even say yet. I should just say, God hasn't given up because God, there won't be a time. There will never be a time when God gets up. And once we have that fundamental understanding, then we can participate 
and work with God to produce something beautiful in our lives. So much so that other people will notice and be like, why aren't they mad when this is going on? Why aren't they spiraling out of control? Why aren't they depressed? Why aren't they anxious about this? Why aren't they yelling at their kids or their spouse or whoever? We have to be humble enough and brave enough to participate in the work that will transform us from the inside. And then maybe we'll get some avocados. We won't drown in a hurricane like my avocado planted. So we are going to sing my favorite song. And then I will come back and give you a benediction. And so we'll just reflect. The question I want you to reflect on is, do you actually believe that there is enough? And if the answer to that is yes, then move on to the reflection of what can I do to make that seem true in my life. But if that answer is not solid in your mind, do I actually believe that there is enough and that I am enough and that God is enough? Then I just invite you to listen to the words of the song and kind of let them wash over you and let God change your mind.